Hi everyone, Rich here. Welcome to episode 16 of the Jones the Bat podcast. Huge thanks to everyone who has subscribed to the podcast and rated and left reviews. Shout out to Steph Davs, uh, Elegant Giant 113, uh, Jones the Bat son, don't know who he is, um, Jones the Bat wife, and Cruiser. So thanks to those people who voted for the podcast. Um, in the National Podcast Awards, uh, we came a close set. It was pretty close, apparently, between us and Taylenders uh, and Shag Married and Annoyed. But uh, yeah, we didn't quite get the, the, the award this year, but maybe next year. Uh, incidentally, we did get up to third in the podcasts that are associated with cricket in England on that, uh, on that chart, uh, which is, uh, which is well, quite impressive. Uh, Particularly the the podcast that Kerry did last week, um, I think it hit a home with a lot of people out there. And um, huge thanks to Cricket Wales and all the work they've done this week in ensuring that we get some cricket on, uh, which has also led to me being able to discuss some cricket that happened last week. Um, I know that Newbridge managed to travel across the bridge. They went to Brockhampton. And they won by 71 runs. Trav Morgan, 46. Alex Horton, 56 off 32 balls. Friend of the show, Ryan Watkins, 2 from 8 balls. Uh, Jimmy Morgan, 36 not out. And on the bowling front, there were wickets for the Morgans. Uh, but in particular, Cruz Morgan. Um, he's in my under-13s Gwen squad. He's in the Welsh squad. He picked up two wickets in his four overs. Whilst Nathan Millerchip went for 53 off his seven overs at an economy rate of 7.57. Lisvane also travelled across the border, managed to look up their scores on play cricket. Uh, The least said about that, the better, I think. But Alex Woodman, he's got to be uh, up for a special mention. He's waited weeks and weeks and weeks to get his his first bat. Fortunately, he got a duck on Saturday. Uh, He went to play on Sunday as well and got another duck so a pair on the weekend the first weekend back um i'm sure it can get better alex i'm sure it will i'm sure somebody will uh, tag you into this podcast and uh, yeah anyway it's also been uh, very busy in the jones the bat workshop lots of refurbs flying out now uh, and lots coming in people who are breaking their bats and first time netting uh, or just want to tidy their bats up if that's one of you then don't hesitate to get in touch uh, at Jones the Bat on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, or message me at jonesthebat100 at gmail.com. Also, remember those charity stickers, um, prostate cancer stickers and uh, teenage cancer trust stickers. You can get them at my website, jonesthebat.com. Follow the links. They'll take you to an eBay link. Uh, I think they're £2.00. Say 70 odd. Uh, 70 odd is for the second class stamp, and the two pound 100% of it goes directly to uh, the chosen charity. So, yep, get on board with that. So, today's guest is the gritty Australian keeper batsman from Glamorgan, uh, Tom Cullen, otherwise known as TC. Um, we had a great chat just as lockdown began, actually. Uh, unfortunately, I spilt lager on my laptop couldn't get the data off it i finally did last week and thankfully this interview is on there because it's great listening to tom 
listen, that, that grittiness really comes through uh, and his resilience to, to getting what he wants and getting that first-team contract. Uh, he averages over 30 with a bat for, uh, for the Glammy uh, first 11. Uh, and in particular, uh, an innings that comes to mind is his innings against Derbyshire last year, whereby he steered them home, um, a career-best 51 not out. Uh, when Glamorgan needed 248 on the last day uh, and they got it and they got him for eight wickets and it was a, a great innings by Tom uh, like I say we chatted at the beginning of lockdown and I started asking him you know what does a professional cricketer do during lockdown you know as, from a personal point of view it's just about keeping fit making sure that that you know you're ready to go uh, as soon as um, they push the button on it and and especially for you know Glamorgan as, as a team or as a squad you know we we made some very big strides last year and create created a lot of momentum in in the results we had so we've got a responsibility to make sure that we continue that yeah so uh, this podcast you know it's it's about the the pathway that uh, you took in order to become a uh, professional cricketer now we've had a chat in the past it's going to be you know really really interesting for the listeners to hear uh, about your your journey i want to go right way back to the start now and just talk about your your earliest memories of, of cricket and sport back in back in perth yeah well perth in australia is a is a very competitive sports city um you know you kind of as growing up there as as a youngster you can't you can't not get away from competitiveness and, and sport in general whether you know that be rugby football cricket you know whatever whatever it may be um earliest memories for me was you know from a cricketing point of view was you know my dad we, we lived close to a river called the swan river um probably about 50 yards from it actually in fact and we used to you know wander down there uh after school or on the weekends and you know we used to just play until the sun went down and i used to love it um because you know I was playing with my dad, and you know he was obviously better than me at the time, so I was always trying to be better than him. Um, and, and yeah, that, that that was just how it began for me, really. So you know, you, you talk about your your father there uh, having an influence in you, getting you involved in cricket. Um, how big was that parental influence throughout your you know your childhood, going up into your adolescence? Yeah, it was massive. I mean, and the thing about my parents or my dad is he didn't he he didn't put it too much pressure on me you know he, he wanted me to he wanted me to play sport and be competitive but he didn't put too much pressure on the outcome of it so mm. um you know my my granddad was a scottish international footballer so my dad's dad um, yep. my dad was a professional footballer in australia um so you know the the, the pressure there to be a pro or to or, or to be a football player or cricket or whatever it may be you know it, it wasn't um as paramount to, to me growing up as a person. Mm. Did they, did, you know, did your dad have much knowledge of cricket when you were growing up? No, not a, not a thing. Um, he was, he was all about football. He, I guess he probably knew about cricket, but um, you know, it, it was just something that we played in the summer and, um, and you know, he played it with me because I loved cricket. So where did that love of cricket emanate from then? Well, cricket, as you know, in Australia is probably the equivalent to football here. So you grow up watching cricket on the TV and, uh, and obviously you, hear, you watch your heroes, my heroes like Ricky Ponting, Adam Gilchrist, 
um, watching those guys growing up, you know, that really got me into cricket and, and, and made me want to play it. Yeah. So was that going to your local club then? Is that where you first started the, you know, the journey or was it at school? Uh, no, it was at club. So my dad took me down after we, you know, played as, as youngsters, uh, me as a youngster playing with him, you know, weekends on end. He then took me down to a local club. It was South Perth Cricket Club. Um, uh, and yeah, that's, I guess, where it began for me. And um, then it moved into school. I went to a, a cricket school um, and and then just juggled the uh, commitments between the two. Mm. So what do you mean by a cricket school? Was it, uh, were there different schools in the area that uh, focuses on different sports or was, you know, this one particular school well known for cricket? Yeah, so, I mean, in Perth, there's a, a schools association called the PSA, which is the Private Schools Association. And um, it, it, it's, it's a bunch of schools that are obviously private, privately educated guys but mm. um they're very 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 competitive with their sport um, right. so and cricket being probably at the forefront of that so i went to one of them um and it was it was one that was close to home and also a very successful cricket school and um and i wanted to go there for that for that reason my dad wanted to go there for the education but um mm. yeah it was it was a, it was an easy decision so, so were the specialist coaches there, and you uh, enable you to devote a lot of time towards the cricket? Yeah, yeah. There's, there's, you know, full time coaches and a director of cricket there. Um, he, the, my school coach Luke Winbridge, um, he's still there today. Um, you know, he's overseen um, the success at Aquinas College, it's called, um, and the cricket program for a number of years now. Yeah. Uh, so. This, you know, you've come out of school now. I think what people will be interested in is the actual system that uh, Australia kind of promotes. Uh, in Wales, it would be, for example, you'd play in your club teams and then you get put forward for trials. So how far up the, the pathway of, of junior cricket did you go in Australia? Yeah, so I was in and around the state teams uh, going through. Um, I, never quite, I never quite broke through those mm. um but i was always in and around and, and in and around the best we could keep about us for my age group um the thing about the pathway in australia is at that time and probably to a certain extent now it it's not really an academy-based program it's kind of like you, you come out of school and you got to prove yourself in grade cricket and then if you prove yourself in grade cricket you then go and play second 11 state cricket and etc etc mm. so it's almost like a rat race through a pyramid scheme to 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 try and to try and make it as a pro, and that uh, you, you talk about the the the, the cricket, uh, the grade cricket in Australia, very very competitive, very competitive, mate. Um, the, the clubs are extremely competitive. Not to say they're any more or less competitive than the clubs over here, but um, you know the the clubs are put greater emphasis. They have director of crickets and. Uh, coaches and that put great emphasis on trainings every Tuesday and Thursday. Mm. Um, you know, if you don't train, you don't play. Um, I know at my club um, that's been very successful over the years, we've had a number of state players that um, that love playing for turning out on a Saturday for, for their club. I mean, yeah. that's where it all began for them ultimately. Mm. Um, I guess you don't see that love for club cricket amongst pros as much over here. Um, right. You know, some pros from seem 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 it as a chore almost 
Whereas there, yeah. you know, you get more and more professional players playing against amateur players. And the amateur players are trying to be better than the professional players to prove that they're, they're eligible for a contract. Yeah, because I'm, you know, there's a lot of good cricketers in, in club cricket in, in Wales and, and things like that. And it's, it's that fine line, isn't it, between making it and not making it. It's, it's, yeah. it's you know, for, for some players out there, they've scored thousands and thousands of runs in, in league cricket. But I don't know whether it seems to be in Glamorgan or, or just county cricket, but you need to come up through the system in order to play from. Very few people yeah. get selected based on their performances in, in league cricket, I suppose. Yeah, and there's and I'll I'll echo that. There's a lot of good players that I've played with in club cricket that I guess have never had the opportunity to to I guess showcase what they can do at the next level. Um, mm. And you know, a lot of players slip through the system that way. Um, oh, yeah, it almost seems like you know, if if you didn't make it by the time of eighteen, you you yeah. slipped through the net, and that's you done. Yeah, and that's I guess that that I guess we'll get onto a bit later. That's why it makes my story, I guess. A little, yeah. a little bit different in that I didn't go through that system, and and you know I can echo that you know there are ways to make it. Yeah, absolutely. And, and hopefully that gives some players, I guess, some hope to do that. So you know, let's have a little, let's have a little, let's dive a bit deeper into that then, and talk about you know I, what I'm interested in in forks in the road. So for many people, there'll be a particular point in their life whereby they'll go down one road and or go down the other. To whether or not they play professional sport, or whether they don't, or a particular job, or whatever. So, so what's your story then? How you know you, you mentioned it a little bit then? How did it go yeah, for well, you? Uh, yeah, well, I I, I left school uh, seventeen uh, after completing my studies, and I was actually a quite a good football player um, growing up because <laughs> I had the pedigree from my dad and my granddad. And well, I was yeah, yeah, no, yeah, you mentioned that you know your parents are. Uh, your, your father was a professional footballer, yeah. Your grandfather was a Scottish international. So, yeah. were they always like playing football with you and trying to, and you trying to emulate them? I suppose. Yeah, yeah, of course. You know, I idolised my granddad growing up because he played for his country. I mean, how many people can you say do that? Exactly. Um, so, like, you know, I w- it was always football in the winter, cricket in the summer, and. Unfortunately, when you get to about 16, 17, with everyone, if they're good at two sports, you have, to kind of, you have to choose one and you have to devote more time to it if you want to make it a career in that sport. Um, so when I left school at 17, I, 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 thought, I, was a, I, I, was, I, I thought I could make it at both. Obviously, uh, you know, you, it doesn't work like that. Nope. So I ended up going down the football route um, for a couple of years. Um, uh, no, a year actually. And... I had trials when I was 16 the year before at Southampton Football Club because um, I'd got scouted by a partner club out in the UK um, out in Perth. So right. I went over to the UK when I was 16 and I, and I trialed with Southampton and I spent six months with them, with their youth academy. Um, it turned out I wasn't quite good enough at that point. Um, so, you know, I returned back to Australia, I guess, with my tail between my legs and um, when I left who, who school, who told again, you you weren't good? Uh, Interesting that point. Who told you you weren't good enough? Was it someone who told you, or did you just get that feeling no, that I wasn't quite? I got good that enough? feeling. Nobody told me I wasn't good enough. I felt I was good enough, but you know they obviously Southampton after six months said, "Look, we're not going to renew. We're not going to renew your contract. We're not going to give you a, a new contract or whatever." Right. So I guess that's a that's a that was a setback for me. So 
So I went back to Australia, did my last year of school, and then I thought, right, well, bugger these blokes, I'm going to go over and prove them wrong. So uh, <laughs> I went back over to the UK and I played in the sixth tier of English football, which was the Conference South League for Hemel Hempstead Football Club. Right. And I played there for a year. And, um, and I did okay and I did well. Um, and I was working at the time as well. And, but, you know, it, I'd given it everything I'd got for that year. And I actually then it kind of hit me that I did realize and I kind of did accept what they said the year before that and thought, well, actually, I'm not good enough in this. And I'm not going to be able to be a Premier League footballer or a professional footballer that I thought I might be um, because there's just blokes over here that are just better than me. Yeah. So, um, so then, yeah, I, I then kind of played, I, I played a year of club cricket at Hemel Hempstead um, and before I was going to go home and I actually dominated and it was club cricket and I thought, geez, I, I might have messed up here. Um, taken a year or two out of the game. Um, so I then for the next two years, I uh, devoted my life to cricket and to try and almost make up for lost time. Um, right. So I, I flew to New Zealand to play in the off season uh, here. Um, just to play club cricket to challenge myself rather than actually go home to Perth and play. I thought I'd challenge myself in another environment. Yeah. So I went, dominated in New Zealand, uh, came back here, uh, d- dominated club cricket again, uh, emailed counties. Um, so who were, you, who were you playing for when you came over and played over in the so UK? I, when, I came back, when I came back, I had a year at Stanmore Cricket Club in the Middlesex Premier League in London. And then I went back to New Zealand played for the same club then came back and I actually played for then I played for Cotton Cricket Club in the West of England Premier League which right. is about an hour and a half from Cardiff um, and then and then yeah I, I, I remember I, I think I emailed every single county just looking for an opportunity to you know sending in my stats or whatever and just kind of asking to see if there were if, if an opportunity arose if they were if they were willing to, to see me mm-hmm. Um, nothing really, nothing came of that. I got a couple of emails back saying, thanks, we'll, we'll let you know if, if there's an opportunity arises. Um, and yeah, it, it didn't quite happen. And, and I was, it was probably the point came when I was about 22. Um, and I'd given that two years to the game and I, and opportunities weren't really forth, forthcoming. Yeah. Um, it, it kind of knocked me back a little bit and I kind of had a deep sense of regret that it kind of scuppered my chance. Um, you know, I thought that two years maybe that I took out of the game probably scuppered any opportunity I had. Because it's I such a, thought, yeah, such a key point, isn't it? That, you know, 18, 19 years old, uh, that's when contracts are being given out. That's when um, counties are looking, though we mentioned earlier, counties are looking for those players and, and you're not around at that time. Correct. Yeah, and that you know, I, I don't regret. I don't regret not being around it because I, I think everything kind of works out the way it's meant to do anyway. Um, but yeah, I, as I wasn't around, I wasn't through the system. I couldn't get into the system. Um, so obviously, my my job had become a lot harder now uh, to try and actually uh, get you know follow my dream almost. Mm. So um, f- from there now, you're, you're, you know, you're at a crossroads. What are you going to do? You're 22. Um, <clears throat> so your decision was to go to university. Yeah. So I, <clears throat> I was at the crossroads and I thought, well, you know, I've, 
I have to go to university somewhere because I have to get, you know, I have to kind of half get my life in order. Um, so I was, I was going to fly home, give it up, give up the dream and, and go home to Australia and, and do my degree. Um, but it turned out that I'd done a little bit of research and um, I was playing for Potman at the time and an hour and a half away, there was this wonderful MCCU scheme at Cardiff University um, that, that allowed you to chase your dream, but also, um, you know, make sure that you, you could get a degree and make sure you, you got your life in order as well. Mm. Um, so I was, I rang up Mark O'Leary. Um, I, you know, had a few initial conversations with him and, you know, said my intentions and, you know, he was great about it. You know, he, he kind of helped me go through the, obviously you can't play for Cardiff MCCU if you don't gain a place at university. So he kind of helped me go through the process of, um, getting me into university, um, and, and gaining a place and, and I gained a place. Um, so yeah, so that was yeah. at Cardiff Met, yeah? Cardiff Met, yeah, doing sports science. College um, of Knowledge, yes. I went there as well. It is, yeah. <laughs> no, don't let anybody tell you otherwise. Uh, what a best times of my life looking back. Yeah, uh, those yeah, times unbelievable. In, in, in Cardiff Uni down in, down in Roth and uh, <laughs> places like that. Um, yeah. So you've joined this MCC scheme. So this scheme is set up by the MCC, is funded by the MCC. And I think their motto is first class cricketers with first class degrees. And there's been quite uh, an alimony of of players who've come through that system. Uh, So I think it's been taken over by the ECB this year, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, And we're waiting to see how uh, we had a good chat with Mark uh, in a previous podcast. We're waiting to see how that will uh, unfurl, I suppose. So you're at college, yeah. you're, you're playing for MCCU, uh, you're doing okay, you, you're scoring yeah. runs, uh, and, you're, yeah. and, and you're on the, you know, getting yourself into that shop window. So what's well, the next it. phase? Well, that's it. I mean, and it's important to note because in 2000, the year, just as I'd gained my place at university, I was kind of still at a crossroads, really, about whether to actually really chase the dream and, and, and actually do the scheme because of the opportunities it provided. But my mother then passed away at that, during that time. And being a young lad, um, it obviously hit me very hard. And Absolutely. I gained a sense of perspective from that because my mum always told me to follow my dreams and don't let anybody stand in your way to do that. If you want to follow them, go for them. So her passing away gave me that perspective and it, it made me think to myself, right, Let's just go for it now. Let's just jump headfirst in, get your uni degree, and let's go and get a professional contract. So, you know, 2015 was my first year. Um, I dominated for Cardiff MCCU along with a number of other players because we had some serious players uh, go through the scheme when I was there. Um, And that year, I got selected for the combined universities who play in the um, second 11 championship. Yeah. Um, and I scored 407 games for them against uh, various county second teams. Um, th- three of them at one point were in a row. So that almost kind of announced myself, I guess, to a lot of people. Um, and I suppose know, then I we're getting in, we're in the realms of social media and now your name is out there as this yeah. players who scored three, you know, consecutive hundreds. People are starting to look, I take it. Yeah, and, and obviously a lot of interest gained from that, you know, because I was a nobody and not gone through a county, sec, uh, county second team, not gone through a county academy. It was almost like, who's this bloke? So um, I, 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 
I then got um, I got a call from Leicestershire. Um, they because I got 140 against them. Um, they asked for me to come play a game, um, and in my first game for them, I scored 100 against Glamorgan at the Swaylet. So 2015 was was a serious year. Um, at the end of that season, um, Leicestershire actually didn't opt to sign me. Um, they they had their own issues, I think, and you know they just decided it was not the right call for them at that point, which is fine. But that obviously knocked me back again. Um, it was you know just another kind of, I guess, knock back in the road. Mm. Um, and I went back to uni in 2016, um, and almost picked myself up and said, right, no, that's just one year. We go again. Um, so I went through my second year at uni and went through the scheme season in 2016. And uh, and in my first game for the combined unis, I scored 100 against Lancashire. So, you know, it was almost, I was incredibly motivated to keep going. Um, so that got me on the radar with them as well. So at that point, I'd scored, you know, something like 500s in eight, in eight second team games. So it was, it was, it was quite a... It's quite a purple patch, um, but there again, nothing came of it. Nobody showed any real interest to sign me. You know, a couple of clubs, you know, rang and asked me to go play some second team games. At some, at one point, I had to choose between counties to actually play second team games. And you know, with Mark, I was trying to work out which teams were actually more likely to sign me, and um, based on their, you know, their squads and their finances. And that's, and at one point, I think I turned Glamorgan down to to play for someone else because, you know, Glamorgan had Mark Wallace and Chris Cook already there. And I didn't think that it was a reality that they were ever going to sign me at that period because they didn't need yeah, to. And I'm thinking at that point, Mark Wallace hasn't missed a county game for 10 years along those lines. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, being like, you know, Mark is, I'm quite a cricket nuffy myself and a bit of a badger, you know, Mark was obviously a legend for Glamorgan and, uh, an, a, an absolute favourite of of everyone. So, um, you know, he, he he wasn't going anywhere, and obviously Cookie is an absolute gun, so he won't go anywhere either. Yeah. So, um, so you've got this point now where you've you know you, you're kind of on the cusp of you're, you're showing good things, but nothing's really happening, and then yeah. and then the door opens. Yeah. Um, so at the end of 2016, I had resigned. I'd given up, basically. I'd said, right, I can't have done anything more here. Nobody, like, the, the dream was over for me. So I thought, right, well, I'll tell you what, um, you know, I, I'd, I'd mentally gone through that and I was going to enjoy my last year of uni, enjoy the cricket with the scheme because I'd loved it on there with, with the lads. And, um, and then I was going to go back home to Australia and obviously... Uh, I had no regrets, not you know, moving into the next point in my life because I felt I'd given it everything, and and I, I was okay with that. But then in 2017, I think it was February March time, uh, Mark Wallace just announced out of nowhere his shock retirement, and um, and I'd I'd got a message, a couple of messages about it, and uh, and and I thought, oh no, not this again. Like you know, don't give me any more hope than I need. <laughs> yeah. I need to have them because you know I would just set myself up for you know extreme disappointment again. So I then I then thought, ah, oh, bugger it, Let, let's let's go one more time here. Um, so I actually got a phone call from the second team coaches at 
Glamorgan and they said, look, obviously I, I'm sure you've heard that Matt Wally's retired. Um, we're obviously going to be looking for a new keeper in the next couple of months. Somebody probably, well, somebody that's younger than Chris Cook, um, you know, while he kind of transitions into that position, I guess. Um, you know, do you, would, would this interest you? Um, you know, we've obviously got another young uh, Welsh keeper that we're going to give opportunity to as well. Um, would you like to have equal opportunity with him to, to, I guess, win or earn the right to that contract? And I said, yeah, 100%. This is probably the best opportunity I'm ever going to get. So went through the last year of uni, played at, right at the start of the season for Glamorgan um, with that other uh, Welsh keeper. Um, you know, I think people will be able to work out who it is. But, you know, personally, from my point of view, it was a case of, you know, I've devoted my life to cricket for the last five years um, to try and get where I've got. Nobody has taken this contract from me. I'm going to go and earn this and 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 go get it. Really. So, you know, no, um, and I, th- I think that desire there, that desire yeah. comes from, you know, that sheer bloody mindedness. You might say a, c- yeah. a typical Aussie attitude, but you'd worked at it so hard, and nobody was going to take this from you. Yeah, I'd sacrificed so much, you know. Mm. And 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 that was, I guess, the the at the forefront of my desire because I'd I'd given so much and sacrificed so much, you know, uh, money, security, job, things like that, you know, career. I'd given it everything to the game, so to me, it just wasn't it just wasn't an, an option for me to not get not prove myself to be the one that earned that contract. Mm. So I played. Um, I played at the start of the season. Uh, I, I did much better than the other guy. I was determined. I was, you know, doing all the right things. I was making sure I was keeping quiet on social media and things like that. And just trying to make sure that, you know, I was doing the right things. And it was interesting because uh, I was still playing for Cardiff MCCU as well, juggling the two. And we actually got to the final at Lords and um, that year. And it was the, the start of June. And we won... I. I was captain that year and, you know, we won that day and it was, it was, um, it was obviously a great day. And then that obviously then went to a great night um, because we, we had an extra night in London. So we got in, <laughs> I think, at 5am, um, you know, it's probably a reserve figure, but uh, we had to then get up the next morning um, and it was, checkout was at 10.30am and we had to be on the bus by then for obviously Sparky to take us home. Obviously everyone was in a world of pain. Um, but I remember that day because I got on the bus and I was sitting there with my head in my hands because I was just so hungover and so was everyone else. There was not much chat going on. And I got a phone. There was a, my phone started to ring and I was so hungover. I just didn't want to answer it because it was a number I didn't know. So I just let it go to voicemail. And um, I said, oh, I'll call him back later anyway. So I got, a, I, I got a message then two minutes later from my voicemail saying, oh, this person's left you a voicemail go and listen to it. So I thought, oh, this might, this could be important. So I may as well listen to it. So I listened to it and it was none other than Robert Croft. And uh, Rob basically said, he said, oh, hi, Tom, um, Robert Croft here. Um, you know, just, I'm sorry that this is the way we have to meet in these circumstances. Um, but uh, Chris Cook has just gone down in training. He's, he's just been hit in the head and he's been declared concussed. Um, we've got a game in two days up at, up at Durham away. 
um, would you like to come, could you come and play for us? Uh, and would this interest you? If it does, can you give me a call back ASAP? So I was like, so I rang him back straight away, obviously. Um, we'd obviously left on the bus by that period and probably about 20 minutes from Lords. And I spoke to Rob and said, hi, Rob. Yeah, sorry, mate. I was a little bit dusty. I couldn't answer your phone call. Um, he said, no worries. And then, yeah, two days later, I was making my debut up in county championship debut up in Durham for Glamorgan. So awesome, I got off mate. the phone to him. He told me I had to go back to Lords to... Uh, to go to the ECB to uh, get registered in time because this was a Friday, mind. Yeah. Um, so I had to be registered by the end of the day to play. So I shouted out to Mark, you know, stop this bus right now. Um, <laughs> Mark pulled over, I think, on the side of a busy London street. <laughs> and I said, Sparky, I've got to get out. Guys, I've got to get out. I'm playing for Glamorgan in a couple of days and I've got to get back to Lords ASAP to get registered before the close of the day. So I see, I got out, um, I got the tube across London to get back to the Lords, the ECB officers in Lords. And I remember that, I remember on the tube crying like a little girl as a 25 year old. Mate, it's um, awesome. Like, yeah, I think people on the tube were like, you know, what's this guy's problem? Um, <laughs> but I, I just could not, I was, you know. It was a combination of five years of genuine sacrifice and hard yakka to yeah. get to this point. And I knew now it, it was going to be my career for the next 10 years because I knew I'd, it, if it ever got tough for me in, in this next phase, I knew I would you know, revert back to everything I've done to, to try and get to this point you know, for, for the sake of if I was ever up against it on a cricket field or if I was ever under a serious amount of pressure, I was always going to get out of it because you, you know, I, knew what it meant. I knew what it meant to get to this, to get to that point. So I wasn't going to let it go, you know, easily, I guess. Um, yeah. So, you know, so, this, yeah. it's, it's, it's a great story. So, you know, you, you're playing for, you played for Glamorgan and, you know, you did really, really well last year. There were times when you were called upon and you, and you did the job. Um, yeah. The story just reeks of you know the grit, determination, uh, and resilience that is required, yeah. uh, and not not the usual pathway which a lot of people go down. Just to show no. that you know there is there is that other opportunity there for people who yeah. you know, if you want to do it, get out there and do it. Um, yes, and and that's and, you know at the time on. at the time you know a lot of people who I spoke to you know, who were like, mate, you're 23 and you haven't got anything to your name or whatever. And, and, I, was, and, and I was like, yeah, well, I don't care. This is what I want to do. And, hmm. you know, it, it's those same people. That, and I remember, I remember everything I've ever spoken to about everybody. And, and I remember those people, those same people that doubted me back then are the very same people now that are there to pick me up and, and, and I guess, you know, clap the achievement that hmm. I've made, you know. And... And I can, I can never, ever, ever, I'll never, ever tell a young cricketer or any young sportsman that it's, ne it's ever too late because it is, I'm living proof that it is never too late to, to just keep following your dreams and, and just make sure that you give it, if you're going to go in and give it everything, give it everything. Don't, do not make any reservations about it. And I think a key word there, which is the sacrifice, I suppose, yeah? Yeah, uh, yeah, but I think the ultimate message is that 
you can then at least, if it doesn't then work out for you, you can then have no regrets about it. Yeah. Because I didn't want to have any regrets about it. I had regrets that I took two years out of the game to go with football. Um, but I didn't want to have any regrets about making it as a cricketer. I wanted to leave with my head held high and, and I could, and if it didn't work out, then it didn't work out. But I knew it then at least I'd given it everything. Mm. Mate, it has been that story of, that you have there is, is a lesson to everyone. Mate, it has been absolutely tremendous speaking to you. Um, I'm sure people will will get involved on social media when when this gets released and and, and just say you know what a great person it is to for you to be involved in 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 Glamorgan because that's the fighting spirit that that is required I think and yeah uh, and you know like the last I mean the last two years for like, you know like, I mean it never stops that's the thing I mean I mean the hard work and things it never stops no you know, because um, like. Obviously, I gained my contract for Glamorgan, and I'd done that. But then I, it was it was then two years before I got a reasonable opportunity in the first team, you know. So I had to fight for two years to actually try and get an opportunity, and I, and I got it through sheer luck, you know, because mm. obviously you never wish anybody to get injured. But Chris got injured last year, and that opened the door for me to have seven and six or seven games where you know I could really show what I could do, and you know as long as you keep. Uh, I think you, as long as you keep, um, you know, producing that attitude that you always have something to prove, you never give it up, you keep, you keep working, and you keep fighting for what it is you love, you know, you're going to get rewarded for that. Mm, and absolutely, I mate. was rewarded for that last year and hopefully, you know, it, it sends a message out to not only amateur creators, but, you know, maybe some professional creators who might be at the crossroads in their career where they might think, oh, I'm I'm going nowhere here, I'm struggling, or you know, I might be on the way out, or you know, mm. there's always something you can do and you can you can fight for your fight for if you love it, you can all you can just fight for it. You keep fighting for it. Thank you, mate. It's been absolutely fantastic talking to you today. Um, and I wish you good luck. Hopefully when all this uh, situation is passed, uh, you get the opportunities and uh, I look forward to seeing you uh, perform out in the middle for, for Glamorgan. Cheers, mate. Awesome. Brilliant, mate. Thanks. And don't forget, I've got a bat for you. This is all said and done. No problem. <laughs> <laughs>